Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score NI. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carla Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to the Score. The Score with Michael Clark. And welcome along to The Score. We're live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. Me, Colin Hopkins. And our special studio guest today, Stephen Small. Stephen, welcome to the programme. Good afternoon, guys. It is great to have you here with us. Yes, a busy show as always. Get yourselves ready. We'll be looking at all the Danske Bank Premiership fixtures later on in the programme and uh, giving you some of the funniest, weirdest, strangest stories for Where's Your Head At. That is all coming up right here on The Score. But before we do any of that, we, as always, kick off with our special guest this week, a man who, as a player, has won the top flight in Irish League football and, as a manager, was able to steer Carrick Rangers back into the Premiership. That championship-winning season, an incredible one uh, for how it was achieved and what happened alongside it. All that and more coming up right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Yes, uh, Friday. Thank goodness. <laughs> this felt like a week where you needed a Friday. Uh, a lot of people are on half term, though, Colin Hopkins. So, like, not everybody has it that hard this week. Well, I wasn't on half term. I've been working hard all week and let's start to see the weekend. I was talking to someone. I didn't realise this. I just assumed every kid was off at half term. Some schools didn't have the same holidays. So, I was talking to someone earlier who has four children, three of whom are off, one's having to go to school. Oh, nightmare. Oh, I wouldn't. How do parents even remember which one to take to school? <laughs> time I don't know. To, yeah, <laughs> time I, to get up. I work at Belfast Med, as you know, and I <laughs> was off last week with Belfast Med, but my kids were off this week. Oh, no. So I was uh, I was really popular with my wife this week. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Let's just go on. Oh, no, we can't do anything. Uh, these things happen. But, uh, no, it's it's great to have you here. And, and, and Stevie, we you know go back a long way, uh, I think it's fair to say. So it's lovely having you in the studio. We've, uh, as I said on Twitter, we've shared commentary duty together. Uh, we've interviewed one another. Um, we've even endured Tim McCann's singing. Absolutely. Uh, we've bumped into each other at the, the Super Cup as well when, when you've been doing that. I remember I remember probably when I was first at Carrick, you were probably starting off on yeah. on your career as a and look how far you've come. You're commentating <laughs> on on uh, on European football. I know, back when I didn't know what hair gel was and, and probably should have shaved a bit more and all sorts of things, uh, I, I've burned a lot of the evidence from those days. But uh, Stephen, before we talk about your managerial career and indeed what you're doing now, I want to talk about your playing career. Um, some very happy times in there, but take us back. When did you first get into football? How did that come about? My goodness, um, I grew up 
probably a, a, a Clivenville supporter and, and lived in North Belfast and it was my aspirations to to kind of play for my, my local club. Um, I guess like every kid in, in in the in, in the 70s, 80s, I, I kicked the ball around the street because there, was, there wasn't much else to do. Um, went to watch Clivenville on a, on a Saturday. In those days, you just turned up, you've no money, you just get lifted over the turnstiles and, and watch them. And I, I, I just marveled at, at, at the crowds at the time. The, you know, these players like Walter Mills and Marty Quinn and players like that were just, uh, John Platt were just, for me, uh, iconic and, 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 and it was my aspiration to, to play football for, for, for Cliftonville at the time and, and it was uh, it was from there I, I, I just I just I just kicked the ball as much as I could. Playing football on the street, there's already a throwback. Uh, sadly, it's a thing that a lot of areas don't allow anymore. I think it, it's almost criminal that you can't just let kids enjoy a, a ball game. I read something online this week about kids being kicked off a park because they were playing football on it and they were being told, go make a formal booking and come back when that's complete and they don't think they had the money. And you're sort of going, we're depriving kids a chance to do something which is good for their health, first of all. It's sociable. And, and who's it harming? Oh, it's incredible. And it? it's, it's just... It's just now there's, there's such a drive to, to get kids off the Xboxes and get them off the settee and, and their devices. And, 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 you know, what better way than, than to start organised street games or something like that there? And, I mean, the, 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 the whole drive now is about health and fitness and, and well-being. And there's no better way than, than kids running about playing games and, and, and running about. And, and, yes, I understand there's dangers now. But surely we can we can formulate something that that gets them gets them out for at least sixty minutes a day. We were out for about six hours, seven hours, <laughs> which is great yeah. for the parents. Out you go. <laughs> well, I remember many a day going to play in the park, local park at eleven o'clock in the morning, going over nine o'clock at night, and maybe going over fifty minutes for tea in the middle of that, and that was about it. And you thought, no, nothing. Today's modern footballers are on for ninety minutes. You asked me to another ninety minutes of all day. Oh, we couldn't do that. I know. But then I if you don't know the joy times. of jumpers for goalposts as well, I'd say you haven't lived. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We're starting to show. Well, I'm starting to show my age anyway, Michael. You're <laughs> you're a little younger than me, but no, I, 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 you know, I used to play for about three teams. Um, on a Saturday morning, I would be up at Molusk at ten o'clock, playing for my local youth club team, artillery, and and in the afternoon or sort of eleven o'clock, I'd maybe play for for Clivenville, one of Clivenville's younger teams, and. And if I was fortunate enough, when I got about fifteen years old, I got I got called up to the reserve team, and you know that that for me playing with players that that had been dropped down. I players usually weren't that happy getting dropped down to reserves, but for me it was looking around the changing room and and sitting next to the likes of Brendan Tully or something like that mm-hmm. was just phenomenal as a as a fifteen year old, and I was fortunate enough to to make my debut at 16 years old and I can't remember a thing about it. <laughs> Why is that, do you think? I mean, did it just pass you by? Does that day sort of consume you, especially being so young, or, or why can't you remember it, do you think? Yeah, it's just one of those. The, the, the occasion completely overtakes everything else. You know, you, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't remember anything about the game. The only thing you remember is that I've made my debut in Irish League football and you're looking around, the players you're playing against. I mean, I think it was, I think it was a game against Glenavon. Um, and on the pitch, a, a guy I ended up asking to be my, my, my assistant coach at Carrick, uh, Lawrence Stitt, was playing centre back that day. And, and, and I think to myself, you know, the game itself, 
I can't remember anything about it, but I remember being so proud that I stepped on the pitch uh, to play in, play in front of in front of people I, I I used to stand alongside. I mean, that's some going uh, to make your debut at that age. A lot of faith was putting you. Uh, how did you find out you were getting your first team debut? Um, uh, probably one of our old 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 friends that we would we would know. Billy Sinclair was manager at the time, and 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 Billy was. An unbelievable character, as as everybody knows, yeah. uh, a a little Glaswegian, and 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 Billy, Billy, uh, Billy had called me up to train with the first team, um, but not my wildest dreams that I think that it was gonna, I was gonna gonna get into the the first team. But at that time, Clinton went through hard times um, financially, and and they didn't have, they didn't have a, a wealth of, of 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 money to go out and make signings, so. So it was it was incumbent on the the manager to start looking towards the youth. Um, I trained with him a couple of times, and I always remember asking Billy. They they used to have a deal with SS Moors where they would give you twenty pound towards a pair of boots. And that my when I started training with them, my my dad used to encourage me to go, you know, go and ask him about a new pair of boots. So I went and trained him one night, and all the first team players were sitting there, and Billy said to me. Uh, Right, son. What what is it you need? And I said, Billy, I, I, I kind of need a new pair of boots. And and he said, Well, where's where's the boots you have at the minute? And he said, Go and get them. These things had a split on them from from the toe right down to the <laughs> middle of the thing. So I brought them to him, and in front of all the first team guys, and I brought them to him, and he he lifted the boot and he had a look at it, and he just said. For God's sake, son, you'll get an hour six weeks out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and I just scurried, I scurried on back to my. <laughs> My uh, changing area with the with the young lads, and and that was my introduction. But but two weeks later, as I say, I got I got the call up, and 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 it was a an unbelievable occasion for a for a young lad. How long were you waiting for the new pair of boots, though? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I certainly didn't see them that season. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity when you when you find out you're going to make your debut. Is it a case of going around telling everybody? I think at that time, you know, locally. It, it 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 wasn't telling everybody. I think we our crowds were quite big at the time, and 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 everybody everybody knew locally. There was no social media. There was nothing going on like that. It was just a case of it was it was it was in the local newspapers. It was in the Ireland Saturday Night, and you know the I didn't care who knew about it as long as I knew about it and my family knew about it. It was it, it was a it was a proud moment, you know. And that. Uh, you know that wonderful paper. Being able to to pick it up and and read your name and see what an esteemed journalist uh, had to say about it. You know because and it for younger listeners and I, I, maybe I'm lucky that I'm a wee bit old fashioned and a bit older than my years. If that makes sense, not everybody my age and certainly people younger than me would have done it. But before social media, when you didn't know these journalists apart from the words that they'd written, you know, you didn't get their views certainly every day on, on a computer or on a phone. You really did have to rush out and pick up the paper and go, what have they said? And, what, and it might just be a wee line, Stephen, but you go, that's me. Yeah, it was huge, Colin, wasn't it? The, the Ireland Saturday night. And yeah. I'm saying Colin because Colin's of, a, of an age. Similar he, vintage. He can, uh, <laughs> he, can, he, can, he can agree with me. It was, it was just everything. I mean, I remember playing reserve team football and they used to have the reserve, they used to have a reporter at every single reserve team game yep. and they would have a report on it. And, you know, I, I remember I used to, strangely enough, I, I didn't score too many Irish league goals, but I used to play up front for, for the reserve team. And I remember scoring three goals in a game or four goals in a game and it was, I couldn't wait to get this newspaper 
I read I read the article and it said small score, he scored, he scored, scored four goals and I said to my dad, Dad, look, look at that article and, and, and my dad, God rest his soul, turns around to me and just said and he was at the game, he said, What about the other three you missed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Saturday night, as you say, they're you know, back in the day, all those years ago. I mean, I can remember my own father sending me down to get it every Saturday night religiously. And uh, they came in around about 7 o'clock. You were down queue and waiting on the paper coming in through the door. So you get a copy and go back and reload the match reports. It was yeah, it was massive. massive. And, and read your marks out of 10 and then get a bit annoyed, maybe, potentially. <laughs> well, uh, I wasn't a player, so that didn't show me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only time I... Now, and you're talking about sort of youth football. I remember my only goal at youth football for Carrick Rangers, like under-15s, under-16s, whatever it was, because I was a defender. I was very pleased, although it came with my weaker foot, was in a 14-1 win, right? So you can, you know, really good opposition. It was That's how important my goal was. It was probably like the 10th or 11th goal in the game. So the only time I ever scored, so I was like, I'm going to get to read about this. It's going to be great. And the paper, because of the scoreline, didn't print it. <laughs> you know, they give that sort of whatever stupid scoreline they did and didn't do much of a report. Yeah, yeah, they would do that occasionally where you would, you would go and you'd look for your... And you'd find out that maybe the reporter did, just didn't show up that day and just thought, <laughs> we'll just put the score in. But it it was brilliant because it ha- it would it would have all the scores. I mean, we would go down the amateur leagues, it would go down all the Dunmurray leagues and stuff like that. Oh, it's fantastic. So, so. <coughs> it's strange how you sort of, you think back to these things. I mean, I can remember getting your name in the paper back then was a massive thing, to be honest. You know, it's not like it is nowadays. All of a sudden, I can remember as a 13 or 14, I think it was 13 at the time, I played indoor bowls. And I can remember me and my father played a mixed or a doubles competition. We got right through to the semi-final stages. And this was a complete shock against all of these old seasoned professionals. And I got a big write-up in the paper with this young up-and-coming superstar, blah, blah, blah. Ah. Hey, I've made, made, I'm famous all of a sudden, but never went anywhere. I was going to say, the other thing about some of those <laughs> reports as well is, uh, you know, sometimes get the reporter wasn't necessarily at the game, so we had to trust the word of uh, whoever was there. Uh, there's, there's a few... Irish League alumni, maybe even some present managers who have uh, fudged how well they played, you know, by picking up the clubhouse phone and going, all right, two for me. Yeah, it was, oh, it was fantastic. Well, Col- uh, Col- Colin would know this. And, uh, when the when the scores started coming out on the Sunday Life, it was massive for players because players players sometimes could have maybe got a move on the back of of some some lazy management from other teams if if somebody's picking up the Sunday life and someone's doing really well every week. I mean, at at distillery I remember Johnny Drake mm-hmm. accosting the the reporter every time after the <laughs> match. It used to be Paddy Toner used to come to our That's games right. and, and Johnny would have Johnny would have said, Paddy, what about that overlapping right back? Johnny Drake with a flame red hair, putting crosses in the uh, putting crosses in the in the box like Cafu and Gotta be worth a nine. Johnny had one of the worst games you've ever seen. He left the paper <laughs> up the next day, and Johnny's got his nine because Love he's that. impressed Paddy so much with his his story. Glad in Paddy's case, I think he would have taken it as granted. Half the times I'm not sure if he knew what to give the people. So, yeah, well, <laughs> a bit of influence was yeah. it was available. I I have been. Uh, I I always remember, and it's sort of a this conversation is slightly altered for the time of day and everything like that. But I remember being at a game at Donegal Celtic, and it was the weather was awful. And it was, I think it was snowing. And I was sitting beside Mark McIntosh and Stephen Looney. And a, a particular player shouted across, How come I got a five and he got a six? And he had a theory as to why this was, which I won't share with you today. You can be creative in your imaginations with it. But, uh, that, you know, it, people who think it doesn't matter to players, it, it marks out of ten. It does. It, it, it does. And sometimes I think, I, do journalists spend as much time 
worrying about the marks out of 10 for each player as the player does. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah, I think, think it, at that time it was, it definitely had a, an effect on players, you know, because it, it was something new. Now I think, yeah. you know, you do something like that, I think players wouldn't give it the same significance because of all the other outlets and people can watch the games. But in those days, there wasn't the same coverage. The only coverage was the the written the written press um, and the occasional the occasional TV and, and stuff like that. And you would have never been over there going eight or nine. Come on now, come on. I was a solid seven every week. That's, <laughs> that was me. I was I was uh, I was signed on the basis that I would never I would never really really impress you, and I wouldn't let you down. <laughs> that sounds good. Sol- a solid footballer, we'll call him. Hey, we want one of those. Uh, Marshall Gillespie, as always, uh, was crunching the numbers before you came in. Um, and feel free to dispute any of these. But uh, 301 appearances and one goal for Cliftonville. Uh, we'll start there because you thought you had two. Yeah, um, I, I did. And it was a little bit of fun with Marshall because obviously he's so meticulous in his, in his, in his homework. And I, I was stupid in the first place to even doubt Marshall. And <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I, I had one where... Where I, I I crossed the ball from the the right wing and and the unfortunate Damien Grant at, at Crusaders dropped the ball into the net, um, and I was just hoping upon hope that that <laughs> it would have went down as a as a small goal from from thirty yards in a wide position, but it didn't. It went down as an own goal for for uh, Damien Grant and rightly so. Was your other goal a bit of a goalkeeping catastrophe as well? It it, it kind of was, and and, <laughs> and, and, and and to be honest, it was down in St Julian's Road one day and. Uh, the goalkeeper came way out of his box, um, and he, he he tried to clear the ball. And I'm I'm situated about thirty yards from, forty yards from goal. I'm gonna I'm gonna say fifty yards yeah, by the end yeah, of this yeah. conversation. But he was actually in the he, car park. He, he, he pretty much just scuffed the ball uh, in the midfield, and I thought to myself, I'll just hit it first time. So I hit it first time, and it was a real wet, muggy day down at down at St Julian's Road, which which it usually was, and. I hit the ball and it, it it bounced just before it went into that and it nearly stuck in the mud. But thankfully, it just it just about squeezed over the line. So, but that was a le- legitimate one. It was a goalkeeper in error, but it was a legitimate goal. Yeah, I hey, and can't take it away from a you. Clearance, probably. <laughs> no, you meant it. Um, I'm going to picture that. Was it? Uh Trying to think who it was for Inter Milan. Do you remember that wonder, the wonder volley, the keeper's clearance, but he was off his line and cut through it. We'll we'll paint it that way. Yeah, we'll anyway. go to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll go for we'll that. Go for that. Um, it must have been really amazing, uh, obviously, the, the time you had at Cliftonville, particularly, you know, with it being your boyhood club and everything like that, making your debut so young, coming through with such uh, talented players. But winning the league, I mean, talk about going above and beyond anything you could have ever pictured. Well, I mean, <clears throat> from a chronological point of view, I'll probably uh, I'll probably just turn it around a little bit because I, I left, I left, a little bit dissatisfied at, at, at sort of 18, 19 years old and Clinville sort of, they sort of rebalanced and and, and and from an early promise of I'm going to be in the first team here, I, I didn't I didn't see the first team for, for, for quite some time, for months and months and, and, and they started playing some of the old old season pros and, and Senki went back to, 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 to what was basic for him and I went away and I, I did a scholarship to the United States and 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 I came back. What age were you? I, well, I was I was eighteen at the time. Okay. Um, and again, I was languishing in the reserves, and I felt like you know this is going nowhere. So, I took up a scholarship in the United States and <clears throat> went to Alabama of all places, and and I, I I spent four or five years there, and 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 I'm glad I did because I I got a 
a real eye opener to sport and the way they treat athletes and and the way athletics is is a student athlete is treated in, in the United States and I I got a I got a degree out there and you know from so from every I traveled to travel the whole United States so I went out there for four or five years and it was always my intention to to just come back and 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 try it again and get in the Irish League football and just just because. The MLS wasn't happening, and and football wasn't exactly a career out there at that time. So, I came back, and and I didn't come back to Cliftonville. I I came back, and 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 a Northern Ireland legend, Billy Hamilton, signed me at, at Lisburn Distillery. Formerly, they were called Distillery at the time, and I signed for Distillery and 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 played there for, uh, uh, judging by Marshall stats, about eighty five times. So, I, I I didn't come straight back to Cliftonville. It was kind of I came back and I. I, I I went through a, a couple of years at, at distillery, which still still go down for me as a couple of them the happiest years that I spent in football. It was it was phenomenal with a great team, an unbelievable manager, and a a, a, a small but very vocal support at, at at distillery. Very similar to the the support we had at the, in a managerial sense at at Carrick Rangers. But it was a it was a wonderful time, and but I was always gravitating towards. Going back to Clevenville because obviously that was my team, but uh, but it was probably the only team at that time that I would have left Distillery for was Clevenville. Um, so there was a, a little meandering uh, way back to Clevenville. Hey, very few things in life are straightforward. Actually, I didn't know that you'd gone to America. What was that experience like? Because you know, from being part of a, a tight knit group of people in North Belfast, taking that chance and moving halfway across the world. I mean, I'm sure people were going, "Are you sure you want to do this?" It was very, it was very difficult as a young person, and 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 I understand young people who who struggled to to make that decision. Um, and to be honest, if it wasn't for my mum and dad. Sort of kicking me out. No, they <laughs> encouraging me. I I kind of spent the year after my A levels, and I I hadn't done particularly well on my A levels. So so university here wasn't going to be an option unless I went back and and repeated my A levels. I I so I I kind of thought, and and a former Clinton player at the time, Tony McCall was out there, and he was he was insistent that I needed to try it, and he gave me the safety net of saying, listen, come out for a couple of months try it if you don't like it you can always just come home and I think that's what sold it to me it wasn't it wasn't a three-year deal and it wasn't something that you had to do basically if you got home second you didn't like it you just get on a plane and you come home again and my parents my parents were the, of the same opinion we'd like you to try it but if you don't like it you come home and so I went out and I never came back I, I probably came back twice in the four years um, because I, it was a great experience I I I got to I got to see some unbelievable places in the United States. I travelled around. I got a degree, and and as I say, I, I I probably without that experience from a football point of view, I'm not so sure that that I would have come back and played Irish League football because my my in my younger days, I my my football career wasn't really going anywhere at that stage. I mean, you know, you talk about uh, not doing particularly well in your exams and stuff. Was school something you didn't enjoy or was, you know, was it a bit of a distraction in amongst all the football you were hoping to play? I think I think it was one of just one of these these young lads who who had potential academically, but I wasn't driven academically. I yeah. wasn't it wasn't the driver for me. Sport was the driver. Um and and academics wasn't and 
and and and that bore out on my eye level results. And but when I went to the United States and I was in college, they have they have this system that if you don't pass classes, you don't play. So it's the it's the carrot and the stick approach. And so if you you get the you get to September and you haven't passed the class, you're not playing the big game. So it encourages you through that to 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 get your degree. And I, you know, an old coach of mine out there. Uh, a guy called Roy Patton. He's originally from Belfast. He he dragged me in early early days and said to me, "Listen, Stephen, I think you've got this all wrong. There's a reason over here that they call it a student athlete, and not an athlete student. The student comes first before the athlete." He says, "I brought you over here, and I promised your parents that I would look after you, and I'm going to make sure that you get a degree first and foremost. The football. I want you to be." be successful football but the one thing you're going back with is a degree and pretty thankful that the, he, he encouraged me to, to make sure I, I, I got that degree That lesson I'm sure is something we're going to come on to in terms of what you now impart on, on young individuals in sport um, your time at distillery one of the happiest you said what sort of memories stand out for you then for the, the time that you were there oh, with, a great, with a great camaraderie with a, with a manager who was a true manager and you know Billy Billy didn't coach uh, he left a lot of coaching to Ronnie Ronnie McQuillan at the time we had a fantastic team I mean that that team I mean I know Distillery have had success post that with, with Tommy Wright and, but I, I still think that that team was as good a team as you, you would see in Irish League football we were in another couple of finals we always punched really really well in, in terms of league position uh, we won the the equivalent now of the of the the third trophy, the League Cup, we we won that. It was previously called the the Gold Cup, um, and we, you know, we're just a fantastic team. The way Billy played was probably reflective of the of the player he was. He wanted two wingers <clears throat> to deliver ball in the box, and we had Billy Totten on one side and Tom Clean on the other side. They probably scored twenty goals each themselves as wingers, and uh, Philip Dykes, Johnny Drake, right through the team, Philip Mitchell. Um, we, we we had a fantastic team, f- fantastic camaraderie within the changing room, and Billy was at the at the at the head of all that. What a character! And and Billy, Billy uh, managed in a in an old sense as well. But he, he was he was at one with the players. I've never worked with a manager who could who could who could tell you really what he thought of you in a in a, in a sense of you've had an absolute shocker, but he would still be able to be a person that you'd like to go and have a beer with afterwards. He was phenomenal. Um, I mean, he Windsor Park one day. He, he get in half time, and you know it was a brutal environment. If 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 he didn't like criticism, and a lot of young lads here these days don't respond well to criticism. And Billy came in one day, and I I was playing centre midfield, and I Pat Fenlon. Anybody knows Pat Fenlon, director of football, Limfield. Yeah, Pat yeah. Fenlon was phenomenal. What a, what a footballer he was. I get in half time and. Billy just turned around to me and said, Stephen, do you need me to show you a picture of Pat Fannin? <laughs> I'm, I'm bright, but because of the game, my, my adrenaline was going, I, I was where's he going with this? He said, <laughs> and, and, and obviously I, I can't use the language, the industrial language Billy really used, but he said, well, obviously you need to see a picture because you have not got near him all day long. But I couldn't, the, the, the guy was, got wing mirrors on every time he received the ball. Yeah. If he got tight to him, he would just pop it off. If he didn't get tight to him, he was spinning and hitting, spraying passes left, right, and centre. Didn't get anywhere closer to him <laughs> in the second half as well. But no, Billy was a, 
a phenomenal character. You, you, you've worked closely yeah, with him as well, Colin, yeah. have you? I have indeed. Um, that would have been the season where we really pushed for the league with Ibrahimson as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was a, there was a season, uh, and my memory is obviously it's quite a long time ago. Now it's the guts of thirty years ago now. But there was one season where the Whites went on a, a fantastic run, and nobody could beat us for months on the end. Uh, but the problem was that every single team above us was doing the same. I think mm. we finished off. It was the closest we've ever came to win the, sort of the league title in recent times. I think we finished five points off the top. And it wasn't because we were dropping points. It was just because all the sides above us kept picking up points as well, to be honest. You know? But that was one of the most entertaining sides I can ever remember at the study. The football was absolutely fantastic. Fluent football, as you say, down the wings, into the middle. Even when Billy was playing himself, you thought at 36 or 37 he was done. But put the ball in the back you know, on his head. It was in the back of the net nine times out of ten. You know? yeah. But the, the, the whole team, that whole side was just phenomenal. And to win the goal, Cup was one of certainly one of the highlights of my my time as following the lights. You know, it was a fantastic night. Yeah, me too. It, it it was phenomenal, it really was. And 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 the people I was once told that you know trophies and medals aren't 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 the main thing. It's the people that sit next to you are are the real memories of of the people that you win trophies with. Is the real the real the real thing that 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 gets you going. And I'm sure Billy led the celebrations well that night. Oh, I loved it. Billy, you led the celebrations well. Every night, yeah. match night, I don't think it would be said. <laughs> he was like to go out in the town. Yeah, he was. Once he or was twice. Excellent. Yeah, he was, as I say, the whole package of of, of what we did. It, it was a tight net changing room, funny. She going to going to training was really really funny all the time. Um, Billy at the head of it all. Billy used to sit in his office and only come out for the five sides and score three <laughs> or four goals and and just just light the whole place up. He was he was he was top notch. I'm just looking at an old picture here. Yeah, I'll show you in a minute or two off that actual Gold Cup winning team. You're a very youthful young man on that side, to be honest, you know, but what, some what real is, characters in that team. Yeah. He still is, is he not? What is that? Yeah, no. Sounds it, backhanded there, Stevie, doesn't it? it? No, <laughs> it, it was. I was probably one of the younger players Spring in the team, chicken. both myself and maybe maybe Alan Hall. Um, yeah. And, and Jeff, what was Jeff's second name? Played left foot. Calvin. Jeff Calvin. Yeah. But but by and large, it was it was full of good, experienced players and who who had who had probably played elsewhere. Tom Clean had been at at Glen Torn at the time, and Billy Totten had been at Limfield. Steve Stephen Baxter had had been at at, at Limfield as well. And and Winky, and, of and course, Winky, what a character. obviously Winky, what a character. <laughs> Winky scored a winner that night actually. Yeah, didn't he? Bundled the ball over the line. Correct. But no, we had we had a great team. Big. How John. did you survive that change? You see, when you start to think about it, I mean, there's some lively boys there. Yeah, Johnny Drake, all that there. Well, it, do you know what? It, it was just funny all the time. It was just everybody was, was, there was no, there was nobody ran the changing room. It was it was just funny all the time. And, and Billy was at the centre of it. I mean, I remember Billy just did things that, you know, only Billy could do. Billy... Billy would go out on a Wednesday night maybe and, and have a few beers in, in town. I think it was the old Pips or whatever it was and come back a long time. I think it was the, the bar after that. But Billy Billy identified one night he was chatting this this dorm and I think it was at the time when when Tony Yuboa scored that unbelievable goal. Yeah. Well, Billy's out for a night out and he, he comes into training on the Thursday and he says, lads, you got this new guy coming up tonight, make him feel welcome. All that there, and, and and the boys were like, no problem, Billy. But Billy didn't do training. Billy, Billy, Billy was sitting in his office with his feet on a superstar at the time, you know, and <laughs> keep him warm. And so we're out the back of 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 the pitch where we trained, yeah. and we see this guy. It's in the middle of February, and then the muck's ankle deep, 
And we see this guy putting on what can only be described as a pair of squash shoes and tube socks up to his knees. And he's going out to train. And we're like, this is no way this guy can play. If that's, if that's his, his attitude to training. So he gets out, and I mean, the guy couldn't trap a ball. He couldn't, <laughs> but Billy, Billy just seen this big, strapping, athletic lad who said that he played football. And Billy says, well, you know, it's an open-door policy. Come on up and train. When Billy came out to inquire about how good the guy was, I mean, Billy was taking all sorts of all sorts of abuse from the players <laughs> and all that there because the the guy obviously had never played football in his life before. But uh, Billy Billy took it in the neck and, 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 <laughs> and as I say, it was just a it was just a great great squad to be part of. Yeah, oh, stories like that are fantastic, and uh, you love that. Oh, we'll get a big target man, and he'll be fantastic. Apart from the fact he can't play football, couldn't, couldn't and he didn't own a pair of boots either. No, <laughs> it's a bit like uh, George Weah's cousin. Yeah, George <laughs> Weah's cousin. That's right. I think he must have been a distant cousin to George Weah. This one. Some brilliant times. Um, that move then, uh, when when you do get the chance uh, to go back to Cliftonville, how does that come about? Well. Probably because of the success at, at the distillery at the time, we were a good team. Um, I played in centre midfield at the time, and and I guess we come up against Clintmill quite a few times, obviously, and 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 we normally come out out winners, or or, or we beat them. And Clintmill were a decent side at that time. Um, they had in their midfield Pat McAllister and Maggie Donnelly at the time, and I remember me and James Irwin playing in the midfield, and 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 listen. Those four people in the midfield, I get at times probably the ball was irrelevant. It was just an absolute <laughs> war zone, and um, I think I think it, it was impressive the way maybe I I and and Jamesy had maybe conducted ourselves in in those games where we won the midfield battle, or at least we didn't lose it. And and I think at that time Marty Quinn, another another uh, manager uh, that that had been at the distillery and had distillery ties. Marty approached me um, to, to, to come to Clibbenville and, and, you know, there was a change of management at the time. Billy, Billy was, was moving on and, and Paul Kirker was coming in. Uh, Paul wanted me to stay, but I'd kind of already made the decision that, listen, this is the time. Clibbenville aren't, aren't asking me as a young player to come and maybe play. Marty Quinn was telling me that he wanted me to play on his, his, his team, which was different. I was coming in on different terms and, and uh, I made the decision to to go to Clibbenville at that time, and you know, as I said, it was probably the only club in the Irish League at that time that I maybe would have left for. Um, obviously, they were impressed by your prolific goal scoring return at the Stillery. <laughs> I'm just looking there at your statistics: 415 appearances, six goals in your career. Five of them came at the Stillery in 85 games. So yeah, one goal elsewhere, five in the Stillery. There you go. Well, in 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 my in my uh, defence, I think. <laughs> You know, most of the time I played either as a defensive midfield player, Clemmel, or a right fullback. At the distillery, Billy played me as a as a, as a ten or a centre midfield player. I mean, I probably would have got more goals at the distillery if it wasn't for Philip Mitchell just bombing on all yeah. the time and yeah. scoring twenty a season <laughs> yeah. with with no car and defending whatsoever. So <laughs> somebody had to sit and let Philip score score all those goals. But yeah. what a what a goal scorer midfielder he was too. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, very good at it. And uh, doesn't it just put years on you when you now see his son banging in goals? Yeah, I watched Jonah the other week against Linfield in, in the Irish Cup. Great, great little player. Plays as, as a 10. Uh, gifted. Good feet. Scoring goals as well. Not bad, eh? Um, that aspect of your game, you're saying, you know, the, the four of you in those matches, 
the ball was almost irrelevant. Was that something you always had in you? Did you like that sort of whatever you want to call it, the rough and tumble of it all? Let's you know, blood and thunder. Let's get in and let's have a, a bit of a war. Was that something you looked forward to on a Saturday? I loved the tackle. I mean, I, I I loved I loved the physical side of the game. I loved I loved you know for me for me putting in a last gas tackle while someone's about to pull the trigger and score a goal. I I got I got off on that. I loved that and and. And teams wanted that, and I loved the midfield battle. And and there were some phenomenal midfielders at that time in the Irish league. I mean, there were Scottish imports coming in. Uh, a little Scottish guy called Ali Muglin had played three hundred games for Leicester City or something, and he had come over. And he was the hardest. He was only about five foot seven, but he was the hardest player I'd ever played against. He just his everything his skin was thick and his muscle <laughs> on his skin his bones I mean when he hit you it was, it was but I loved that side of the game I loved the physicality of of the game and winning the battle and 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 winning a ball back for your team and keeping possession and 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 being able to pass it after that I mean there's no point in winning the ball back if you can't pass it afterwards so I'd I'd probably more to my game than I was maybe at times given credit for um but certainly Certainly, winning the ball back for my team was 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 a was a big attribute. Because it's interesting, this football uh, has changed over the years. Certainly, you could almost now pick out the player or players in teams that have that attribute. It was it was something that was once a bit more commonplace in the sense that it was a very physical. Certainly, here very very physical. Whereas now you're sort of going, there's maybe one or two fellas you'd fancy to put a foot in, and quite a few who maybe wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, you need it. You needed players in your team because of the nature and the laws of the game and 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 the product that we had at that time. It was frowned upon if you didn't if you didn't tackle, um, <clears throat> if you dipped your toe in or anything like that. There, it, it just it was frowned upon. And and but there were players that 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 would do it in the team, and and you just got to understand that's not his thing. I mean, I remember playing with Aidan O'Kane who went on to play for I think it was York City and Limfield and uh, Glen Torren and played centre midfield and he just had this knack of scoring goals from midfield he was like a, a, a just arrived in the box and scored goals I think he scored like six goals in, in four games for Clinton and he, he got a move off the back of that and I remember Mickey Collins coming in at half time and hammering him for, for not putting a tackle in and I just, I just said to Mickey, Mickey, hold on a second. I said, this, this guy, this, this kid can do things that you can't do, and he, you know, you can do things that he can't do. Let, you know, if we a team full of you, we probably wouldn't score goals because Mickey was, was like myself. He, he wasn't prolific in front of the goal. He couldn't, he couldn't finish. He wasn't good at that. But what a player, what a competitive, competitive player he was, and could do a lot of other things. But he had no can, could arrive in the box at late. Uh, late and score goals and 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 to hammer him for his inadequacies was silly. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you always, if you're able to score the goals as well, you can definitely get off with not doing some other jobs. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's it's it, there's there's strikers out there would never put a tackle in and 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 but they stick a ball in the back of the net and you know there's no point in having a team full of me and and and. Or a team full of strikers who who don't who all want to score goals. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's that blend of of player that that, that you need in your team. Uh, we were talking about it uh, just before we came on air, um, and with reference to two Madrid clubs who did numbers on their opponents uh, this week, which is Atletico Madrid who uh, beat Liverpool, and also Getafe who beat Ajax. 
both very physical, defensive, uh, determined, sort of dogmatic teams really who don't mind the cynical side of the game. It's all for a purpose and it sort of can create its division, but they uh, they don't mind a wee tactical foul. As a, as a person who, as you say, I mean, nothing excited you more than making a crunch and tackle, knowing how to win the ball. Where do you stand on all that side? Because I feel like we, we give lots of time on air to beautiful football and, and rightly so for wonderful ticky-tacka build-ups and long-range goals and whatever you might need and want. The defensive side, something doesn't get covered as much. For my money, I know you should you should ask a question without your own opinion. I'll break the rule for this one. For my money, I love a good defensive display and I don't mind a wee bit of the, if you want to call it the cynical side from the two Madrid clubs. Yeah, I mean, listen, if everybody played the same way, it would just be, it'd be a boring product. I mean, it's about solving problems and, and trying to, you know, not all the teams are blessed with, with the best footballers, so they got to find a different way to, to solve problems. And, you know, from, from my own coaching point of view and I'm, I'm a full-time coach now and, and 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 what I do is not the way I played it, it I mean anybody that comes to watch any of the teams that that I'm coaching at the minute we play out from the back we're fullbacks bomb on and I'm encouraging people to express themselves all the time and we don't really have a defensive midfield player I want people to get on the ball and and all that but but you know that coaches coaches are are there at the highest level to win games and they have to solve problems. So, so for me, I wouldn't cry about about the way teams set up. I mean, even locally. I mean, there's this thing about criticizing Crusaders about the way they play. But why would you bother criticizing the team that that has been so successful, and they do what they do and they do it well? It's yep. up to you to find a solution. It's up to you to find a solution to to how many headers that 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 the big chicken wins, big Jordan Owens wins, and. You know the the dropping ball, the the runs from Declan Cadell. It's not it's not up to it's not up to Stephen Baxter to change his way of playing if he doesn't want to. If Stephen wants to change his way of playing, he'd do that. It's up to others to find a way to beat them. It's up to others to find a way a solution to to, to the problem that is a yeah, team dominating the league or a team winning the league. Because I understand why uh, a neutral watching a football game, you know, flick on a European match, for example, Michael. I want the 4-3, you know, I want lots of attacking, minimal defending, and I want it to be all open, I want it to be about who can outscore the other. I mean, who as a neutral wouldn't want that? The reality is, your job at, at that level is to win. And I know win at all costs is a very controversial issue, and, and people know we should all play the beautiful game, but if a team has a style that's a, a, a successful formula... As you say, find a way to, to counter it. If you're good enough, you'll be able to do it. I love watching Atletico Madrid. I, I I love everything about them. I love I love the passion in that stadium. I love the way it's orchestrated by by Simeone. I love yeah. the way the players play. You keep thinking they're never gonna they're never gonna keep that up for ninety minutes. The the, the tempo that they play at, I love that. That that just doesn't happen. That mm. that's day in day out. The training sessions are conditioned to 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 be able to do that the the manager insists on it um you know their 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 fitness levels are phenomenal and I love watching it and as you say it's it's up to other teams to be able to comp- to be competitive and, tr- and try and break that down I've had the pleasure of uh, commentating on Atletico Madrid and Getafe this season and Getafe are above Atletico in the league at the minute in La Liga very similar uh Jose Bordalas the the Getafe manager Apparently doesn't allow. Now I mean, this is maybe 
crazy <laughs> depending on how you view it. it doesn't allow walking or anything like that in training it's everything is running or sprinting everything is match environment it's high high intensity which when i heard that it kind of made me laugh at uh, the criticism louis van gaal got about the man oh he's burning those boys out and you're going well how come uh this team with lower caliber players supposedly um, you know, not even the second biggest team in Madrid. How can they get their guys to do it, and yet some of the top players in the world can't? It's a, it's interesting. It's obviously dependent on, on the players you have and the makeup of them and everything else. But it certainly works for some clubs, and it's working at the moment for Hatafe. Yeah, I fully, I fully get it. I mean, there's talk about a team. There's a few reasons why a team might improve when a new manager comes in, and if it's the same group of players. The biggest, the biggest thing a manager can do is change the environment. And if if they haven't been winning, and, and usually there's a new manager comes in because a team isn't being successful and, and winning games. So when a new manager comes in, they have to change the environment because they keep doing what they're doing. Then they'll, they'll lose games still. There might be a little spike. They might win one or two games. But generally, you need to change the environment. And, and that's probably the biggest influence a new manager can have coming in is is does he play a high tempo game? Players players will adjust, and if if they don't adjust, then the manager then has to has to change it. But generally, generally, if you've got players of a certain fitness and 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 most of the players at the top level are fit these days, it's it's changing their mentality of the way they do things and changing the environment and the training sessions all geared towards playing a more high tempo game. And if the manager feels that that's going to win football games, he'll do that. And and the and the proof will be in the pudding of of, of whether they do win games or not. Uh, it's fascinating. We're going to come on to the coaching work you're you're doing now. Um, uh, just before we move on to your managerial career, I want to ask you about winning the title with Cliftonville because I mean, for for Irish League fans, that is one of the best things you can do. And as an individual, doing it for a club you support is even better. Oh, Michael, it, it, uh, probably words wouldn't wouldn't do it justice. I mean, to have supported a club and, and, and get to play for them is is, is phenomenal. Um but, but they actually go ahead and and play the majority of that season. I think it was a thirty six game season and I probably probably played thirty four. Um now I didn't play the last game of the season, but that was probably because we'd already won the league and by that time I'd probably had too many beers in in, in North Belfast. But no I'd I played thirty I think I played thirty two, thirty three games that season and, and we won the league um, after, let's let's be honest, I think it was something 80-odd 80, 80 years that they hadn't won the league in. Um, it was a difficult difficult league. The format of the league changed. It was a 10-team league at the time. Everybody played, f- everybody played each other four times. And we played, we played at Windsor Park at that time. <clears throat> All our home games, so... so from a difficulty point of view, it was a it was a difficult season because of of those things. So we had we had to go to Windsor more than anybody else in the league, um, and our supporters that season. You know, it, it it wasn't an easy environment for them. And and I remember one of the games we had to replay because of security issues and all that sort of nonsense. Thankfully, that doesn't that doesn't have any influence. But at that time, it did have an influence whether your family members were going to be inside the ground or not, whether they weren't going to be. So for many reasons, it was a difficult season for, for everybody concerned, but the, the culmination of, of that team. And that, to be honest, at that time, we probably had 14 players, 14 first-team players. 
and and that was it. And you know, Keith Mulvenna, who went on to play a load of games for Clinton Football Club, Keith probably didn't play hardly that season. And and, and James McDonough, they were our regulars on the bench. Everybody else played week in, week out. Um, and 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 we had to cross our fingers that we weren't going to get injuries or suspensions. And 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 we never lost two games on the trot. We if we lost one, we always won the next one. But Nobody could have seen it. We, we, we definitely, it was a one-off. Uh, it wasn't like it was a movement towards a new Cliftonville where we were going we were gonna to have the success that, that, that previous teams had. It mm-hmm. was a one-off. It was a one-off season. We faced relegation two seasons in a row after that, and we had to do playoff games. Um, so that season was just an unbelievable season led by a great man, Marty Quinn, who galvanised a, a small group of players into believing that they could win the Irish League, and at first, we thought he was mad, and 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 we continued to to, to just win games one nil, one nil, one nil. Sorry, how soon was he talking about winning the league? You know, I think Marty Marty was a real optimist, you know, and 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 he wanted to, you know, some of the times Marty would say things, and you'd be like, you go out and you go, like man's lost the plot. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> he has lost the plot. He. he and 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 other times when when it when it started snowballing around Christmas time and and we were always there and we never get beat two in a row and he kept forcing it through and he kept saying lads I'm telling you we are a good team we could win this league and 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 we we started slowly but surely coming round to his way of thinking and thinking do you know what we could and and as the games went on and we we knocked them off I mean I think that when we really believed we were going to do it was 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 that. That that day down at Seaview, which was was pretty mad for a lot of reasons. I mean, the the, the game itself was mad, but we we went down to Crusaders and beat them two 0 and they were a they were a fantastic team. They just won back to back titles. Uh, the the team was 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 phenomenal. They had a great team at the time, and we went down to their backyard and beat them two 0 and then we went away to Yoma on a on a Tuesday night and and and, and won. Uh, and I think that was it. We just felt that's it. We're going to get across the line. Uh, but we ended up having to go through another another drama on the final, the, the sort of the second final game of the season, yeah. where our game kicked off an hour before Linfield's game. And let's put it into perspective. Linfield were behind us. We needed to win the game. They knew that they had to better our result to take it to the final game of the season. So they're playing Cold Rain. We kick off an hour beforehand. We're winning 1-0. Then we go one each. So our game's over. And Limfield now realise that for 45 minutes of the second half, they had to win the game for them to win the league or for them to continue to, to compete for the league. That that would never happen. No. Because a manager then can put five forwards on and and, and, and can really go for it and, and not care because about the, about the fact that they lose the game. That... That would never happen, and 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 we had to wait an hour. But probably looking back now, because they didn't win the game, they drew the game and just matched the result. We ended up we won the we won the league on that day. It added to the occasion. I, mean, I saw grown men crying that day. I, I just, I just, it, it it was it was a phenomenal achievement for not me only, but for 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 North Belfast and Clinton supporters. For those, whatever it was, 45 minutes or so, what, were you all just like locked in the dressing room with the radio on or what was going on? Yeah, well, it was funny. I've seen a, I've seen a few videos since over the years where, you know, 
there was maybe five, six, seven thousand people inside the ground. Yeah. Um, after that 45 minutes, I think another 2,000 piled in <laughs> because it was transistor radios listening to, to what was going on. They, they blurred over Radio Ulster, they, they, they blurred uh, the game live, what was happening down at, at, at Coleraine. And, you know, they had did, uh, Wes Lamont, who was a Linfield legend, was in goals for Coleraine that day. It would have been easy for Wes Lamont to just drop one in, but he was making <laughs> save after save after save. In the second half, we could hear it coming through. Wes Lamont pushes another one over the bar. Wes Lamont, Wes Lamont now comes to, to, to Clippenville. Wes Lamont doesn't have to buy a drink ever because Wes <laughs> Lamont is his, is his... And he never ever kicked the ball for or for Clippenville, but he's he's seen at Clippenville as, as, as another legend because he was... He was he was professional to the extreme on that day because his whole second half performance was 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 very good. Love that, and because there is that wee voice in your head going, oh, any minute now, where do you see they're scoring? Any minute now, and oh, Wesley Monson goals, where do you see? Mm-hmm. And he he turns in a wonder show. Yeah, it was it was it was a great occasion. Um, as I say, I'm I'm privileged to have played for the club that many times, and and certainly privileged to. They've been part of of that squad and that that success story, um, and I don't you know I don't take it lightly. I, I, I certainly thank my lucky stars. And there's there's so much to your career. I mean, we could do two hours on it, but don't worry, we're not going to do that to you. <laughs> um, I, I want to get into your management. Then was there? And I know I know you had time at Lauren as well. So sorry, Lauren fans, we don't have enough time to, to go into your your spell there. Like they're but doing okay at the minute they're, 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 at Lauren. They'll probably they'll probably forgive you. If you want to know anything, um, you know Tim can catch up because he's in regular conversation there. So he knows that all. Um, the uh, move into management was this something that was always in your head, or how did that come about? No, I mean, I, I was doing my licences. I I'd planned on continuing to try and stay in the game as a coach. Um, but it wasn't really a, a, this decision. Graham McConnell, who was manager at the time, Graham asked me to come down and be part of... I think Graham was trying to hoodwink me into playing because I'd just finished my playing career. And he, signed, he, he, he got me down on the guise of being a coach. And he waved the form in front of me on the first night and said, listen, just sign it anyway. We probably won't use you. Um, and, and he asked me to be on the subs bench about two weeks later. And I said, listen, <laughs> Graham, I'm, I'm retired. I'm not playing anymore. I'd like to get into coaching. I'd like to find more out about it. So I was doing my badges and I was, I was, I was interested in that side of the game. And, you know, and, and, and Graham, being Graham, Graham, Graham left very soon after. Uh, Carrick, he just he just upped and left uh, for whatever reason. He wasn't sacked. He just left, and and so there was a there was a bit of a there was a bit of a vacuum there. They needed a new manager, and 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 the players at that stage and myself had had formed quite a good bond in, in terms of the coaching side of things. And and they came to me and asked me would I apply for the job, and I applied for it, and and was fortunate enough to get it. Um, when I say fortunate enough to get it, it 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 was difficult in the in the division as as anybody knows. It was Carrick at that time were probably in more in danger of dropping dropping out of the championship than 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 winning it or being successful. So so it it, it wasn't easy, but it was a it, it was a welcome challenge at the time for a young manager. Definitely, and I mean, you, you look what you were able to accomplish at Carrick Rangers as well. Do you ever sort of pinch yourself because there's some great players in that squad, and obviously uh, the one that everyone will look back to is Paul Heatley. Yeah, yeah, we, we, you know, there was, but Paul, Paul was, 
Paul was probably the one that caught all the headlines because he was he was frightening uh, in training. He he just come on the scene. We we actually saw Paul. Paul Paul previously was a Clinton when he was a kid, and he he scored loads and loads of goals, and he drifted away and and, and was playing for Brantwood at the time, and. Uh, a friend of mine who's who's, who's back at Clinton as a, 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 a scout, Michael Press. Michael, Michael phoned me and said, Stephen, there's a kid here playing for Brantwood. He knew him before, from before. He said, you need to try and sign him. Um, actually, at the time, Tommy Wright was trying to sign him because they played Brantwood in a pre-season friendly. But I'd already touched base with Paul to say, listen, I really want to sign you. Um, and we were playing them in the Stephen Sons Cup match in the early part of the season and I phoned him the week before it which probably you shouldn't do to the team that you're playing against and I said Paul listen we're playing you on Saturday I know you're going to have a, a good game because I've watched you before I don't want you to think come Saturday you have a good game that I, I'm just one of the queue who wants to sign you I want to sign you so we played on the Saturday and James Braniff and anybody that knows James Braniff was running around trying to kick him from pillar to post for the whole 45 minutes and he was turning them inside out and Liam Hogan was trying to kick him and I'm shouting on the boys no don't be <laughs> kicking him I'm trying to I'm trying to sign him <laughs> so so I want I didn't want this kid to go I'm not going there yeah. you know I don't want to play I don't want to play with those players so I get into the game afterwards and we talked to Paul and we we put put them what we wanted to do and we signed him and to be honest, I, I'm, I'm being totally honest. At, at, at that pre-season, we were struggling. Queens had beat us 6-2. We, we needed help. I was actually thinking, my, Michael, Michael Hughes has just come on board at the time as an owner. And I was thinking, my goodness, but give me about three weeks here, I'm going to get the sack. <laughs> and, uh, and we signed David Magalinden. It was a massive signing. Yeah. Tony Anderson. Um, we signed Paul. And we just started winning games. And we started like just winning games. Aaron Harmon was another mm -hmm. one. We found from Amateur League Football, who's playing at Glenavon now. Aaron was a fantastic player. Um, and we just clicked. And it was a great bunch. We old stagers who knew what it meant to play for the club, like Glenn Taggart. Um, Dixie was around the club, who's still there. Um, we just we just clicked. And, and the whole season, again, probably just spiralled into a winning team, uh, which... Well, you knew yourself. You were, you were there that night. Uh, where it, 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 it just, the pinnacle of it was that night in the, in the intermediate cup. Where, where in, in, in sixty seconds we won two trophies. I don't think that's ever going to be repeated. I mean, I know it, it's a very special memory for Carrick Rangers fans. How quickly did the news reach you? You know that that, that sort of it's it's unfolded like that because it was it felt like a blur for many people. I think. Yeah, I, I had. I had lots to think about that night. Um, we were down to play Ballina Mallard on the Friday night, the next Friday night. Yeah, they were, they were a good team, as proved by Whitey Anderson getting them promoted the following season. Um, Limavati were a threat. They were playing Ballamoney, and if we didn't, if we didn't watch ourselves, Limavati would have won that game. We'd have had to beat Ballina Mallard in the final game, but we're playing on the Monday night in the Intermediate Cup at, at Ballyclare. And and we're playing against Harden with Welders. And Paul Heatley was carrying an injury. And I had this massive decision. Do I want to win the Intermediate Cup and risk Paul? And if he gets injured, he doesn't play on the Friday night. And we, we lose both tro both trophies. Um, so I started off with him on the bench, which was really surprising for everybody concerned. And probably supporters were like, 
Heatley's on the bench and we're not going to win. Uh, there. And to be fair, on the night, Harlan Wolf Welders battered us for the for the whole game. They had to bar the post, everything. And it was about five minutes to go, six minutes to go. And I thought to myself, nil-nil, I'm just going to bring Paul on. Just bring him on. And, and, and again, there was a risk involved because he could have got injured. Brought him on because I knew he was probably the man for the job. You knew how good he was at that time and, and, and has got better and better since. He goes three on a one-on-one and sticks it in the back of the net and I'm like, right, get him off again. <laughs> get him off again. So I'm thinking, get get Paul off again. He's won, he's probably won the Intermediate Cup for us. Probably four or five minutes to go. Get him off again, sub a sub. Um, and then I get word down the line that, that Balamoni game had just finished and, and they'd I think they'd drawn with, with Limavati. And that meant that we'd won the league. And I just said, well, uh, we'll just keep Paul on. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if he gets injured now, you know, because it's only a hamstring injury. Right. He's just, so, so we kept him on. To, you know, a minute, a minute later, we, we found out that we've, we've won that game. We've won the Intermediate Cup and won the, we won the league all, all, all in the road. That's, that's too much for, for most people to take emotionally, especially supporters of the club who, who, who were starved of, of One success. trophy, let alone two at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, and promotion. Let's face it, was was a trophy in itself. Promotion to to the Premier League, which which hadn't happened for the club for yeah. for a long time. But again, another club like like Distillery, who deserve it because they've got so many people who have been with the club for so long, and 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 through thick and thin, these people deserve success. And and managers and players come and go, but these people are there week in week out in good and bad times. So to be able to deliver. For those people, was 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 excellent, and I I I I certainly enjoyed enjoyed that experience as well. And there was uh, some party in the final game then against Balna Mallard, wasn't it? I was trying to think. I think Glenn Taggart scores in that game because doesn't he? Yeah, there was uh, someone that had uh, filmed the match. I can't remember who it was, and it was on the dugout afterwards because it was quite a party. There was one player I was meant to do a post match interview with who was. So quickly after the match, in very merry fashion, I thought, let's just put microphones away and, and enjoy ourselves. <laughs> but there was a replay, because Tags had did that thing where he'd scored, he'd celebrate it, and then sort of caught himself, going, what am I even doing? And just pretended to fix his socks. And I, I was like, you did that? Oh, no, 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 it didn't. And someone had the replay up on the big screen, and it, like once an hour, it kind of came back on it. Went, yeah, there it yeah, is. Claire, Glenn, Glenn typifies everything that playing for Carrick. I mean, delighted for even more for someone like him who had been with the club since since he was 15 years old and played in the first team at 15, <coughs> played too many games for, for that club to, to mention. He, he, he just was was everything that embodied being a Carrick player and, and he lives in the town and he teaches in the town and for, for someone like that to experience that and have memories like that, it's 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 something to be proud of for, for anyone coming in as a, in a managerial role. Wasn't that the season you went on the amazing run for so many games? Is that right? Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody was looking at and thinking, bound to slip up somewhere along here, but you just kept winning and winning and winning. Yeah, yeah. Every single competition, yeah. you know, you kept winning and winning. Yeah, I think we, you beat us in the semi final, like maybe in the intermediate that year as well. Extra time one or something like I'm that. Not sure, I'm not sure. The, maybe that might have been Ballyclare that year. I think it was mm. maybe, uh, that was Gary. That was another phenomenal year for the club, was was Gary Gary Haverin's year. Um, no, that's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. But, but but that that year we had was 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 great, and, and as I say, it was it was it was because of the fact that it, 
it, they'd spent so many years of 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 not having success and and little bits and pieces. I think they'd won the Daily Mirror Trophy and and bits and pieces, but promotion for the club was was great. Um, and to be able to go up to the Premier League was 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 great to get up and, and, and manage in that in that environment. And doing remarkably well in the Premier League at the moment, of course. Yeah, uh, phenomenal. I think Niles Niall, uh, Niall Curry has has really worked wonders at the club. He's, he's I think again we talk about culture. I think an identity. Niall Niall has an identity of his team. They're organised, hard working. They're never say day, never say die attitude. Uh, you keep thinking they're going to blow up because they chase everything, and they don't. And and you know, let's face it, they're not blessed with, with with what what you would call Premier League players. These are all players that probably couldn't get into squads in Premier League, but he's galvanised them into 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 a, a work ethic and a and, and again a culture. And obviously that just doesn't happen. That's something that that Nal has worked really really hard to to to, to really embody his squad. Um and so 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 fair play to him there you know, for, for clubs like Carrick they actually be almost well, not almost, to be safe at this stage of the mm. season. Yeah. Is and, and you know what, see come the end of the year, see when they're handing out they're handing out the trophies for manager of the year. I know it's not it's not it's not it's not really it's not really sexy to turn around and say that 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 somebody at the bottom end of the table or should should get it. It's always going to the the team that wins the league. Rather, what he's done is worthy of of manager of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, here he's a he's a big strong contender. He has to be. Um, you know, you know how hard it is with a a tiny budget, sometimes a non-existent budget, to try and even survive in the top flight. Um, and two separate experiences, I suppose, that the character Rangers and. Donegal Celtic you could probably write a book on mm. in fairness and uh, it's sad to see just how wrong things eventually yeah. went with DC obviously mm-hmm. um, but I, I guess that puts it into greater perspective you you know what it's like to, to be in there in that fight and to try and claw to stay in the league let alone be 7th or 8th on the table yeah it's a, di- it's a different skill set and you know probably at this stage if I saw myself as having a skill set, the skill set is in the championship. I have a skill set that 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 would that would be able to promote a team. I also have a skill set of of dealing with the problems of 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 a team not winning for eight weeks and still keeping that those players. That that's not easy because some of the some of the managers in the league would never be used to that. To going on a so I'm going on a winning streak of ten games in yeah. a row. Imagine having to deal and keep keep players engaged and and fully focused if you've lost six or seven in a trot. I mean that's what that's what that's what managers at the, at that 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 foot of the table have to deal with, and it's not easy because you've got to go to training and still keep those players engaged in what you're doing and focused on what you're doing so that you win the next game. And continue to focus on, uh, on and winning. the fans because they go from this expectation of winning every week and look no, no the fans aren't stupid they know the Premiership's harder but nobody likes to see their teams going out and being beaten sometimes very comfortably beaten week after week after week. Yeah, I mean, our problem and you learn all the time. Our problem probably at that time was we didn't have we didn't have money to strengthen 
we basically played in the we played in the Premier League with the Championship team, and 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 and, and as a Championship team, our players were 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 really really good. They were really good, and but to make that to make that transition to the Premier League, it probably was a bridge too far for mm. a lot of them, if not if not most of them. Um, so so from that regard, they needed help and they needed strengthening, and they knew that the players knew that they there's nothing better than 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 bringing in a couple of top strikers or bringing in a top goalkeeper or or whatever it was the positions that that would need strengthening. Yes. Players would have lost their, their 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 position, but at the same time, I think just just showing that that we're evolving and we're getting better in our playing staff and freshening things up. We didn't have we didn't have the opportunity to do that. It was basically, listen, you've won the league, we didn't really expect it, and you're going into the Premier League with that set of players. In some ways, is Niall Curry a, a motivator for managers maybe such as yourself? Because obviously Niall's been relegated. He's he's been through that pain. Does it does it give you a wee taste of? Oh, maybe we can go again. Maybe we can do better. Maybe a, there's life in me yet. Yeah, for for me, I mean, Niall and I coached against each other, managed against each other in those years when when he was ultra ultra successful at Lockall. I mean, I was thinking to myself, and they 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 didn't they didn't want promotion at the time, or they couldn't. They were sensible about about where they stood, mm-hmm. so they weren't taking promotion. And I was thinking to myself, "Please get out of this league and take promotion, <laughs> because it, it it's not going to happen unless you you go up." Yeah. But for whatever reason, I think I think Nal had moved on at the time. I, I, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, "They are they were there were someone to look up to," and to be honest, their their formula of winning was 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 pretty pretty much something that I looked at and said, "Could we replicate?" Nal always played where, with with two wide men. He always played with pace in the team and down his spine of the team. He always had big, strong players. We kind of did that with with Anto Lagan playing up front for us with Paul Heatley on one side and Aaron Harmon on the other side. And we had Davy McLendon, who was an experienced campaigner, and Paul McKeon did really well there as, mm-hmm. uh, that year as goalkeeper. So, <clears throat> yes, there's no formula in it, but at the same time, in the championship at that time. There was a certain way of playing yeah. that would have that would have had more success than failure. Just you said Anto Lagan. Do you ever remember the ice bucket challenge, Colin? I do. Do you remember the ice bucket <laughs> challenge? Right? I did my ice bucket challenge at Carrick, right? Okay. And Anto Lagan. Well, so there's various buckets of water and various people, you know, whipped it up over and whatever it was freezing. Whatever way Anto did it, you ever see those videos of like kids diving off boards and like slapping the water into a swimming pool? He got some sort of weird like torque <laughs> on, and it, just, it honestly, he was the first. Bucket over me, and near sparked me out. <laughs> what are we doing? And then I had to take another couple. And I was like, oh my goodness, what, oh, where am funny, I? He's a funny big big lad. He scored a load of goals that season, and I I never forget that night at at Ballycl- Again, there was loads of different memories of of winning that those couple of trophies yeah. in the same night. But one funny one that sticks with me is that we're in the changing room afterwards, and uh, our owner, chairman Michael Michael. Mike, uh, everybody knows Michael Hughes. He, mm-hmm. You know Northern Ireland international, played so many years and all that. There and many caps and, uh, he, but he didn't. He wasn't visible that much around the team. Uh, he he would keep a distance and, so he he came in, he came in after the game 
and the celebrations are going on in the changing room and the champagne is flying the boys are singing songs as you would and 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 and, and michael come in and i never because he was wearing a, a little brown leather jacket that night and Anto stopped in the middle of everything and just looked over and Michael had come in to kind of just maybe say, well done, boys, as a owner of the club. And Anto just turned around again. I'll not use the language he used. He said, who's the wee man in the brown leather jacket over there? <laughs> and the boys all just went into ruptures. Obviously, Anto knew who exactly who he was. But, and Michael just went, well done, lads. Enjoy yourselves. And just, just made his way out of the chase room again. <laughs> what a character. Um, people maybe are wondering about you know because after Donegal Celtic after you left there you know you, you've you've sort of taken a leave of absence if you like from Premiership management and and dipping your toe back in the water uh, coming into senior football again. Um, can you shed any light on the circumstances around that and is that a permanent decision or is this something that at some point could you see yourself coming back into managing a, a club at one of the two top tiers? Yeah, I mean, I. I'd be honest. My evolution as a, a as a manager in those days, like I said, yeah, I I managed and 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 was thrown into management and 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 was learning on the job most of the time and and I was young at the time. So my 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 knowledge, I think, of the game as a whole wasn't as good as as I I would expect it to be. And and I'm being honest about that. And so it was only when I left management and started coaching on a regular basis and coaching full time that I really got to understand the game that I really properly thought do you know what there's so much more to this game than than, than meets the eye and and you know if 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 managers out there are just starting and think they know it all they're wrong uh, so so I spent a load of years coaching and and I still coach full time with the University of Ulster uh, Belfast met and I have my own programs with with younger players and and I take se- sessions with 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 senior senior teams and stuff like that if 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 asked but I kind of my knowledge of the game now is is so much better I I, I I've got the management skill set of dealing with players I, I I was always comfortable with that but now I know what it is to actually set your teams up well. To, to have a philosophy of the way you want to play, to 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 set up your team, to change things tactically, all those things, I I'm very much more confident now than I probably was then, um, and I think to myself I wasn't too bad at it then, so I could probably do a better job now, given the opportunity. So not that I'm touting for a job or anything like that, because that's not what I would do but if something come up that I thought you know what that would be a good challenge um, the resources are decent and I think I can make a difference then probably probably I would I would step in again but I mean it's not something I'm not I'm not trolling Irish league grounds and, and going to championship games hoping that the managers get the sack that's not that's not what I'm what I'm saying It kind of parallels maybe your playing career in a sense in that you know you had you got in young, you took a bit of a break out, you went away, you got a further education, you came back even more successful than, than when you left. As a manager, thrown in the deep end, forced to learn right away, come away, get an even deeper understanding of the game, work with young players, developing yourself, potentially now could come back even stronger. Yeah, I mean, I guess 
working with 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 Clinton last year, uh, two years ago uh, with the first team, you know, frightening the talent that Clinton have in at their disposal and and working in that environment with those players and 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 seeing seeing what what the manager does on a regular basis and seeing the the, the workings of a club now and the 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 way the game has evolved in terms of the. The, the, the package that, that now exists, the, the, there's more finance, there's better organisation, uh, more sponsorship. The product itself is so much better at all the levels. So for me, it would be exciting to, to be part of it. I mean, the last time I was managing the Premier, the Premiership, we, we, we probably struggled to have training gear. Now they all, they all have sponsorships and... and and the game has just went on to a different level, and that's that's tribute to everybody. That's tribute to all the managers, all the clubs, the you know the sponsorship coming in just just recently from Danske Bank again, and 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 certainly Niffle probably have made such a difference in terms of what they're doing. So, you know, yeah, it's 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 a great product, and 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 obviously being part of that would 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 definitely be good. Yeah, and you know, look. I don't want to wade into territory. I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it, but I mean, you're being selfless in the sense that you're you're not saying, you know, you you, you also took a step back to make sure you looked after your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, your father obviously was very ill, and then and then um, your mum. Yeah, we we certainly certainly at the time, you know, and and there's other families are going through this. You know, every 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 week, every day, currently. You know, my my mum and dad were both. I'm sure you can tell by, by the conversation we've had today. Mum and dad were, were a massive part of my my life, and and you know, we lost both of them in the space of of two years, both to cancer. So, it it was a it was a drawn out process, and 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 in terms of their illnesses, um, and and my mind was was nowhere near, football at the time. Certainly not at the winning and losing stages I mean I, I, I still continued to coach I was professional in everything I did but but to be honest football was way down the list and and uh, I just think to myself sometimes my dad was such a such a proud man about about his children's achievements and he there was nobody more proud than, than my, my dad about about what I what I've achieved in, in football and I think to myself sometimes you'd be saying to me, Stephen, get back on the horse again and go and mm. go and manage and go and do what you what you enjoy doing. And you know, uh, if 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 there's a lesson or a message coming from from above, that's probably it. And 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 if that's if that's enough for me to say that 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 I'd like to step back in again, I, w- I would probably take that that guidance. Uh, it's a lovely point to leave the program on today, and and what a great thing to be able to say and to know that uh, your parents uh, were proud of you. Uh, there's plenty of people today in different circumstances, maybe never had that conversation or were showing that love. You can sit here today and say, I know they were proud of me. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you you know you can have people patting you in the back all the time for winning trophies and telling you how great you are. I don't think there's anything better than a parent telling the child that they're, they're they're really proud of them and and thankfully I that's probably as, as big an as big an achievement as I've ever had in certainly in, in life um and very proud of it even if he should have scored six or seven that day absolutely <laughs> yes uh Stephen Small it's been a pleasure having you on the program thanks so much for coming on thanks guys thanks Colin thank you Michael thank you for listening to the score ni podcast with me Michael Clark 
We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.